Hey everyone, just wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode before the Blue Jays announced their opening day rotation and before they announced an injury to Jordan Romano, so some of the stuff in this episode is no longer up to date, but most of it still holds true. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 188 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. We are eight days from opening day, and we are so excited for spring training to almost be finally over. We got about a couple games left, but Bryson, Jacob, how are you? Doing good, Mark. We Like you said, one week away, finally, until the Blue Jays have a full sold-out crowd at Rogers Center. Uh, today was actually supposed to be the original opening day for 2022 but uh, we got a week left of games and we know that spring training this year was relatively short so I think it's one week where we can kind of be patient about but the excitement is definitely starting to loom and um, you can just start to feel the buzz around the team of course everywhere you go so it's exciting times one more week left of uh, fake baseball games and we can finally talk about real games for the next what like six seven months so can't wait for that yeah I think it was either yesterday or the day before that we got the picture of the Blue Jays truck heading back to Toronto. So that's very exciting. That's when you know spring training is almost at its conclusion. So definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, what a weird world. I I mean, now we're living in a world where opening day is a week delayed, but it's kind of strange to think that today normally would have been opening day. The Blue Jays would have been playing. Where were they set to open the season? Was it Yankee Stadium? It was Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank Baltimore God and then Tampa, happen. I think. <laughs> nope. Thank God yeah. they didn't open the season against Baltimore. Uh, Jacob, how are you? I am. You know what? We are a week away, but it, honestly, I was expecting to kind of feel terrible th- this upcoming week or throughout the week, th- knowing that the season was delayed. At this point, I'm just even more excited because, y- you know, you look at the team, you look at the spring training lineup, and it's pretty much the everyday lineup, primarily the opening day lineup every single game and you know we're starting to hear things about who's going to start opening day I've heard I mean it's kind of obvious probably Barrios opening day then Gosman but it's very very exciting it's very exciting to be a Toronto fan we see the other sports kind of wrapping up going into the playoffs and April to, to be fair April I think is the best month for sports in general and I just I couldn't be happier yeah it's interesting the Blue Jays still haven't made an announcement on their spring training or opening day starter which I feel like is something that a lot of teams have already done. Um, and a lot of teams, I mean, the decision is more obvious for a lot of teams, but a lot of teams have already made that decision public. It's interesting that the Blue Jays haven't totally made that yet. Maybe they're not going to make a big deal out of it because they kind of have two aces and they're not going to try to undercut one of them by advertising the other one as the opening day starter. But it's interesting they haven't made that announcement yet. But let's talk about what's happened over the last week in spring training since we last spoke. Um, Again, it's spring training, so these results don't matter too much, but you can get a sense of how players are performing. We've seen George Springer in his first game action. We've seen some other guys. We've seen, I think it was Gabriel Moreno and Yimi Garcia finally got through their visa issues, and they are with the club. Um, Gabriel Moreno being optioned down to minor league spring training, but Yimi Garcia, I think he made his first appearance yesterday. So it's been good for those two guys to get in. Um, what are some of the takeaways from spring training that you guys are looking at? You know, understanding it's it's early, these stats don't matter. 
What are you guys looking at? What have you been encouraged by or discouraged by over the last week? I think at this point, I'm just encouraged to hear that nothing has gone wrong with players, especially with injuries. Uh, and at the, I think like the good thing with the Blue Jays is, and I've said this, I think we've all said this a trillion times, but the roster for the most part is completely set. We just need, you know, a few bullpen guys, a few bench guys, a few pleasant surprises and Greg Bird, who we won't talk about too much. I think we'll save that for the predictions episode, but the roster is pretty much set and everybody's kind of ready-ish for the, for the season. And we see George Springer saying he's taking, he's playing in some games, but he's playing also with some live BP. And I know Kevin Gosman threw 70 pitches in an inner, inner squad game. Uh, I think it was against Alec Manoa or whoever it was. He, I think it was Yimi Garcia. But anyways, he threw an inner squad game, threw 70 pitches. Danny Jansen's pitched. And he said if he can do two seven-inning games, he can play a nine-inning game. So that, to me, is really the only thing I'm looking for. Like, yeah, in theory, you want to see Guerrero hit another home run or Chapman make another solid defensive play. But as long as everybody is capable to be there opening day and to be exactly what you need them to be, I think that that's a very successful spring. And, you know, you look at the at the Tigers game or the game against the Tigers today, Alec Manoa is going to pitch. Not a bad ERA. I mean, he's, he's thrown five and a third, 169 ERA and a 131 whip. So, I mean, you know what? It's not even a full game, but it's not a bad ERA for the spring. And if that's your fourth starter or even third starter, that's a fantastic ERA, fantastic stats overall. So I think that's really the only thing I'm looking for is are the guys that are expected to play every day ready? And if they aren't, then really what's the what's the alternative? And I know we've, to some extent, debated about Tim Meza. You know, he gave up a few bombs in multiple of his innings that he's pitched or multiple of his appearances. How's that really going to transpire into the to the regular season? But I'm not as worried about that. I think we saw what we needed to see out of him last year to just hope that this is the early spring training. But overall, like it's it's I'm just I'm not necessarily looking for individual extraordinary performances. I'm just looking for an absence of injuries and just everybody's prepared for the season because as you've mentioned, the Blue Jays they don't play opening day for like the entire league technically opening day is Thursday next week they play Friday so they have eight days as long as you're ready within those eight days you get to Toronto I don't know maybe Wednesday or Thursday whenever it is as long as you're ready for that opening day I think that this has been a very successful spring and hopefully it's the start of a very good opening series against the Rangers and Marcus Simeon yeah I agree with you on a lot of that for sure because last year I think near this time as you know the final week before opening day that's when we actually got word of a lot of injuries like we remember Kirby Yates went down Robbie Ray got injured and George Springer was also injured by this time last year so that's the one thing knock on wood as I'm doing right now uh, that hasn't happened this year which is a good thing it, it appears that the team especially throughout the lockout and coming into the spring managed to stay very healthy and uh, in good shape and that's obviously what you want to see but yeah I mean main takeaways I think Jacob you mentioned it off the top Greg Bird continues to hit the ball well, and I think that uh, he's still in definitely in at least heavy consideration and crack the opening day roster as it stands right now, especially you know with the other additions the Jays have continued to make. I still think that's a strong case right now, um, unless they decide to go kind of in a different direction. But it feels like right now he is one of those guys that may still crack the roster for the, the final bench spot. I know this guy won't make the team, but I'll give him an honorable mention as much as uh, we haven't really heard of him before. And throughout the last couple of weeks, I think he's definitely been a little bit more recognizable, and that's Nathan Lucas. I think he's had a really good spring. He's had some pretty big 
big home runs as much as, again, he won't be making the team. Perhaps he slowly makes his way up the depth chart or he kind of gets an opportunity at some point this year. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but you can never rule that out because of the spring that he's having. Um, And really through the regulars, I don't have a lot of really takeaways because everyone looks good and everyone you know based on the expectations too like you're just seeing everyone play well we know Vladdy's playing well we know Bo Bichette's playing well I think Bo Bichette in particular has made a lot of great plays at shortstop from what I've seen this spring he feels it's it just seems he's more comfortable especially at shortstop and of course the other regulars Mark you mentioned Springer's been finally getting into some games he looks good he looks healthy continue for that to happen, then everything's going to be okay with that. You know, I think Danny Jansen as well has looked really good this spring, and that's somebody who I think the Jays really need kind of a bounce back year offensively is what I'm saying. And he ended the year last year really on a high note. So I definitely think there's optimism optimism there and a lot of expectations for that to happen and he seems to be doing his usual stuff behind the plate he looks really comfortable there you know for me I guess more of my attention and more of the focus has actually been on the starting rotation and I know that it's pretty much set one through five but I always like seeing how the starting rotation is going to line up and how everyone kind of looks especially and um, I believe you guys mentioned it off the top Mark you did at least as much as there hasn't been an official announcement on opening day uh, Jose Barrios is actually lined up now to start that Friday opener, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I mean, he's uh, pitching, I think, at some point on Monday, or he's going to be pitching at some point on the weekend. Kevin Gosman's also going to be pitching again on Monday. So that means Barrios is actually pitching uh, before that. So Kevin Gosman will be, I think, is lined up for game two. And I believe that Hunjin Ryu is lined up for game three of the season because he's pitching on Tuesday. So that kind of gives you a sense of how it's going to go. And you can kind of assume, I guess, four or five will be Manoa or Kikuchi, which, which is expected. And you say Kikuchi, I guess I'll highlight here. I think, you know, we saw him pitch a couple days ago against the Phillies. He didn't look exactly as sharp as he did uh, compared to his spring debut. He gave up a couple home runs to Bryce Harper. And then he was actually, uh, he was pulled. Then he went back into the game to uh, pitch a couple more uh, batters because that's spring training rules but he was actually pulled again before Bryce Harper stepped up for a third time so you know I guess a little shakiness from Kikuchi he's still trying to get in the groove and get comfortable before opening day starts so definitely some stuff to work on from there I think another takeaway I have is we still haven't seen Kevin Gosman in Grapefruit League action I guess he's been pitching in minor league games the he was actually supposed to pitch one of the games against Atlanta but it got rained out so he ended up pitching the next day against the minor uh um, the minor league Yankees I believe that's who it was so he looks good though apparently from what we've seen I think his pitch count is starting to creep up uh, he said himself that he's hoping to get to around 80 for the regular season starting and I think that's kind of the bulk for all these pitchers because of how short spring training was we're going to be seeing them creep up around 80 to 85 pitches that's what they hope to be at by the regular season starting and Jose Barrios I know he's had a couple shaky starts but uh, his recent start against the minor league um, team a couple days ago he actually went five innings striking out five Five, allowing two hits, zero earned runs. So that looks a lot more like Jose Brios. And I think he also said that earlier uh, for his first couple starts, he was focusing more on his changeup and more kind of his secondary pitches. And near the end, he said he's starting to focus on getting hitters out. So hopefully that is the case, obviously, because you don't want to read too much into his struggles, I guess, throughout his first two games. But he looked really good a couple days ago in a minor league game. And his pitch count was at 70 that day. He also said himself he wants to be at 85 to 86 by opening day. And I think his velocity is currently sitting at 94 miles per hour so everything seems okay with Jose Barrios as he's lined up for to start opening day and Hunchin Ryu also made a spring debut 
since the last time we spoke uh, against the Tigers, I believe, last week. It just seemed like after that first inning, you got a lot of 2021 vibes from Hyunjin Ryu. It looked really shaky in that first inning, but afterward, he actually settled in, and he struck out two and three innings of work, so that definitely felt a little bit more better and a little bit more comfortable because that first inning was pretty much all the runs that he allowed, and you know we were just seeing a lot of 2021 vibes, a lot of hard contact against him. He wasn't really putting guys away, but again, he started to settle in after that, and I think that was definitely a good sight to see for sure. And Mark, you mentioned it off the top. I guess I'll just say it. Yimmy Garcia also made his long-awaited spring debut. I guess that's a highlight for me because we know that he was delayed, I guess, coming to uh, camp. And we know that he's going to be one of the big pieces of the bullpen yesterday. He looked really good yesterday. He struck out two in an inning of work. um, And that was really impressive to see. And Alec Manoa, Jacob, you were talking about it. He seems to be very comfortable so far in spring training as well. Uh, He looked really good his last start. He he struck out three and three-plus innings. And we know he's going again this afternoon. So... The rotation for me, and I guess, you know, a couple bullpen spots here and there have been more of my takeaways and more of my kind of focus because, again, the regulars from, you know, for the offense, it just seems... Uh, everything is just going as planned. And we know that Teoscar Hernandez, I guess I'll also say, was dealing with a little bit of a wrist issue. He's back now. He's playing consistently. So that was kind of, I guess, the other scare in terms of, you know, a possible injury. Again, knock on wood. So everything looks really good here in the final week of spring training. And you can't ask for anything more. Everything has to go the same way it's been going through for the past couple weeks. Stay healthy. You know, look good. Get your at-bats and get your limited work in and be ready for April 8th. That's pretty much my takeaway there. And um, I've just found it really interesting this spring to see kind of how fast people have had to kind of adapt to games because of how shortened it's been and I think the Jays especially throughout the entire league and I guess specifically the Grapefruit League they've definitely been one of those teams that have adapted really fast and really in a good spot I think. Yeah I think you mentioned the the pitcher pitch count in there and I think that's something that was already always going to be a big factor with the shortened spring training and it will be interesting to see and I'm sure it's something we're going to be keeping track of of when the season starts, how much running room do these guys get? Like, are you going to see Kevin Gosman or Jose Brios in that opening weekend go six innings? Or are you going to see it as a five and fly? They're going to pitch 80 innings or 80 pitches and then get out of there as fast as possible. And they're going to turn it over to the bullpen, especially when we know the season's starting with two extra guys on the roster. So it'll be interesting to see how the Blue Jays handle that and how teams all across baseball handle it. I think we're all looking forward to seeing, um, you know, not just these starters actually go their full distance, but seeing how the teams handle it. So it'll be interesting to see. And Jacob, you mentioned so far, knock on wood, no injuries. And I, I feel very bad saying that I feel uncomfortable just speaking it into existence, but so far the blue Jays have escaped spring training Without any injuries. We know there's a couple small things. We know Kevin Biggio apparently showed up to camp with, was it an elbow issue, elbow sprain, something like that? Elbow, yeah. Um, yeah, and then Teoscar Hernandez also had something going on. Um, but both of those things are very minor, and both of them seem to be fully resolved now. So, knock on wood, let's pray it stays the way it is right now, but it's looking pretty good for the Blue Jays. Um, okay, let's move on to the, the I guess, the biggest news of the week or second biggest news. We're going to talk about the biggest news later, but um, the Blue Jays signed Dexter Fowler to a minor league deal. Um, A lot of people wondering why they're doing this. Um, It's depth. I mean, there's nothing to it more than that. You can never have too much depth and the Blue Jays add depth in getting Dexter Fowler and you got to be happy with that. He used to be a really good major leaguer. 
He is old now. He's 35, 36, and he hasn't had a full season in the majors since 2019, I believe. So, I mean, his numbers are not great. His last full season, he had a 238, 346, 409 um, split in the majors with the St. Louis Cardinals. And then last season, actually, 2021, he was angling to have a full season. He signed a deal with the Los Angeles Angels and then... Very early on in the season, there was a game in Dunedin against the Blue Jays, and he slid into second base, tore his ACL, was out for the rest of the year. Um, He's looking to bounce back this year, minor league deal, who knows what happens. You can always use depth. I think I saw something that is opt-out for this deal is in May, which is a little bit later than usual, but if he isn't on the major league roster at that point, it looks like he's probably going to elect free agency and see what he can do elsewhere. But again, like it's you're betting on someone – to do something and you're not committing a lot of money to him and you're saying if you do well if you make the best of this opportunity you're going to get playing time in the majors so yeah we don't expect to see him play a lot it's going to be a rotation of guys probably more like Josh Palacios Ramiel Tapia those kind of guys who are getting playing time in the outfield when the main three are out but depth never hurts It never hurts, and it doesn't cost the Blue Jays a lot. So I think that's basically the only thing you can say on this deal, except for the fact that the Blue Jays always get their guy. The Blue Jays were interested in him, I guess it was four or five years ago, 2017, um, and they finally get him. A couple years removed, not going to be as good as he was in 2017, but they do get their guy eventually, and we're seeing that now. You know what's funny? I think they've been targeting Dexter Fowler since before we've been covering them, the team. Because this was like late 2016, but yeah, not really too much to say on this. I mean, the one thing I think the reason why his opt-out is so later or so much later than usual is because he's still not fully healthy and he's still rehabbing that ACL. Uh, I mean, there's really not much to say other than like he's maybe going to get a shot if the rehab goes well and if he plays well. But it's nice to see, you know, the depth. I'm not sure. I still think guys like Josh Palacios in the minor leagues has the advantage and then Ramil Tapia is probably going to be their fourth outfielder. I don't see him not being the fourth outfielder. So it's a good depth move that that's really all it is. It's not going to break the bank. It's not really much. So, I mean, there, there really isn't that much to say other than hopefully he comes up, plays for the blue Jays. He's, he could provide them with some much needed left-handed at bat. So, I mean, I hope it does work out for him. I hope the rehab goes well. And, you know, it's it's funny. He already does have a locker in the clubhouse. So maybe he stays there. Maybe he goes, I don't know, to double AA, A, triple A rehabs. And who knows? Maybe he is that September call-up. So, or probably won't be a September call-up because of the, uh, the opt-out. But maybe he's one of those guys that eventually comes up and provides the team with a lot of benefit. But I think first step is just get that knee and that ACL rehabbed. Yeah, I was honestly kind of intrigued a little bit and kind of interested with the signing just because we know the history of it. Mark, you were touching on it, and Jacob, you said it too. He went, you know, the Jays were looking at him pretty much that early 2017 offseason, and he decided to go to the Cardinals. I think it was in November of 2016, so it was pretty much one of the first moves of the offseason that year. So that's pretty much why, and it just goes back to kind of proving that no matter who the Jays are interested in, at some point they will always go back and get them, and that's what you were saying, Mark. So I do find that funny, and um, I guess this is just another kind of you know proof to that so you know it 
it's depth. Like you guys were talking about, it's it, it, it's depth. And it's not Dexter Fowler from, you know, the 2016 Cubs team where he was a major factor in that team and pretty much, you know, his other prime years when he had in Colorado before that too. So, and always tearing an ACL in your mid-30s probably isn't ideal. And I do, I kind of find it ironic that it happened against the Jays last, uh, I think it was April 11th in Dunedin. And I think, yeah, I remember watching that game. I think it was, he was sliding somewhere. It was either second or third. And I think he, um, that's pretty much when it happened. I think it was on the base pass of when it happened. So that was definitely unfortunate to see watching that. But, you know, we, we know who Dexter Fowler is, especially, you know, coming as or other than his down years, I think what you guys were talking about in 2019 and, uh, you know, before that or maybe a little bit after that actually he before that he was pretty much a really serviceable hitter like I mean he's got a career average 259 you know he's stolen a lot of bases I think it's almost 150 bases so it's not the Dexter Fowler of that era because you know he's 36 years old coming off a torn ACL like you guys said but um, it's it's definitely an option that the Jays may visit uh, at the end of April early May like you were talking about Mark he's got the opt-out clause in May it's a depth option, and you know there's a lot. Like I mean, a lot that has to happen for him to be on that roster next Friday. I don't think any of us are really expecting that. So he's going to likely have to spend some time in AAA Buffalo to start the year. And if all goes well, maybe he bumps guys like Palacios, and you were talking about it, Jacob. The other two guys that you were talking about in AAA Buffalo. So he's got a little bit of work to do from there. But if he does play well, and you know the Jays are going to be monitoring those final bench spots on their actual major league roster throughout the month of April, you can't really rule it out that there's a chance that he's there at least in May or uh, maybe a little bit after that. It'll depend on what he's doing. Usually, those guys with those opt out clauses opt out if they don't get the opportunity to play on the major league team by a certain deadline. And because he's showing up a week before the season starts, it's a relatively late invite to spring training, which is probably explains why his uh, opt out clause is in May because usually it's. At some point, I think it's actually at the end of spring training. Usually it's at the beginning of April when those guys have the option to opt out. I think last year, um, I think it was Francisco Liriano who had an opt-out clause, and we all were expecting him to maybe get that final spot in the rotation until Tim Meza kind of you know, emerged through spring training and took that spot from him. He elected free agency right after that. So we've seen that through a few guys in the Jays in particular, and obviously we see it all across the league. So uh, for me... I like it. I mean, we know that it is it isn't the same guy that we once knew of and it, there's a lot of question marks and uncertainty because of that injury and even before that Mark you talked about 2019 it was a down year for him pretty much his worst uh season I think especially because he played almost 150 games for the Cardinals. So that's pretty much all you can really say about that. And um, you can never rule out seeing him in around May. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, you wonder how many games he's going to get into here. The final, I guess, week of spring training is not in the lineup today as we record on March 31st. So I'm sure we'll see him at some point throughout the weekend and maybe a little bit early next week before they wrap up Grapefruit League play. And uh, I guess it's something to monitor uh, through AAA Buffalo. And, you know, we're going to be monitoring a few guys uh, on Buffalo as well. We're going to probably monitor guys like Gabriel Moreno as well. So it won't be hard for us to kind of access, you know, or just take a look at how Fowler is doing. Just something to keep at the back of your mind. And it's obviously going to depend on the performances of the other guys who are going to be on that major league roster who, you know, got those final two spots or those final three spots. And it's something that you um, can't rule out that he's here at some point throughout the year. But uh, I just like, again, how the Jays are going back and getting their guy 
uh, from 2017. And I guess when you look at it now, thank goodness they didn't sign him because uh, th- that would have probably been a disaster of a contract after just looking how it really panned out for him in St. Louis. I know he had a couple good years, but I'm talking about from the Jays standpoint because that's pretty much when their rebuild began. Probably not ideal to have Dexter Fowler for that much money and that much term. And, uh, I, you know, for somebody who's also regressed a, consider- a considerable amount here the past couple of years. Yeah. He's also just like, he comes across as a good guy. Like, he comes across as just the ultimate teammate, someone you want in the clubhouse. And he is a veteran guy. So, you know, we talk about that influence. We've talked about the Blue Jays potentially adding an infielder like Jed Lowry, who's an older guy who has that veteran influence. Um, I think that's something that he also brings as well, that Dexter Fowler can bring to this team. And bottom line, the AAA Buffalo Bisons are going to be stacked this year. (laughs) And I know that's kind of a result of what the Major League team is doing. And, you know, as a trickle-down effect, the minor league teams are going to be better, but the Bisons are going to be stacked. If you could bet on them this year, oh, I would bet the over for them. But speaking of betting, this episode is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino. Um, They're our new sponsor for the next few episodes, and it's coming soon to Ontario. You'll be able to legally bet on, you know, baseball and UFC and hockey and playoff basketball and everything. And they also have a bunch of casino games and you can do that right on your phone. And I just want to run a couple over-unders by you. I know we're going to be doing the prediction episode next week, so I don't want to spoil everything right now, but um, they have the over-under for the Blue Jays as 92.5. And if I was someone listening to this episode, I think I would go hammer the over on that because I think all of us are thinking the Blue Jays are going to be way better than 92.5. I know Fangraphs, I think, projects the Blue Jays for 92 wins. But again, I think we're all pretty optimistic. They'll add at the deadline. So if you're listening to this episode, the over is what you want to hit on that. They also have um, player bets that you can do. They have same-day parlays. They have game outcome bets that you can do, um, you know, just to run a couple other over-unders by you. Uh, they have Teoscar Hernandez, home run total, the over-under 32.5. I don't know where you guys stand on that. I think it's a little bit more tricky to bet on that one. I would probably still bet the over. I think if he's in this lineup and he's with all the other guys in this lineup, if he's surrounded by Vladdy and Bo and Matt Chapman, who's going to be hitting at the Rogers Center for the first time in his career, I would hammer the over on that one. So, You'll be able to do that all from your phone. Um, So get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino is on the way. And while you wait, you can check out DraftKings now and tell them we sent you by using the promo code SECTION138. That's promo code SECTION138. DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino coming soon to Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600. 19-plus, physically present in Ontario, Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Subject to successful AGCO registration and execution of an operating agreement with iGaming Ontario. So, we talk about the projections. We talk about the over-unders. Now we're going to talk about the rest of the AL East. I mentioned our prediction episode is coming next week. We don't want to spoil all that, but we can look at the rest of the AL East teams and how we expect them to perform this season. Um, I don't think I'm spoiling much by saying we think the Blue Jays are going to be at the top of the AL East. I think we all pretty much understand that, and we're all on the same page when it comes to that. But what happens underneath the Blue Jays is subject to question. So I kind of want to go around and ask you guys 
who you think is going to be at the top of the AL East besides the Blue Jays. Like, is it going to be the Yankees? Are they going to ha- finally have that good season? They traded for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. They traded for Josh Donaldson. They've got those players coming in. Are they finally going to have that season they've been looking for? Is it going to be the Boston Red Sox? Are they going to able be able to use that crazy infield they have with Trevor Stories, Andrew Bogarts, Raphael Devers, and Bobby Dahlbeck at first base? Are they going to be able to use that infield to become one of the top teams in the AL East, or is it going to be the Rays? I mean, the, right now, the Rays aren't projected for much, but they always seem to find a way to be better than the projections and to surprise everyone. So out of those three teams, I think we can count the Orioles out right now. Out of those three teams, who do you think is going to be leading the race in the AL East besides the Blue Jays? So I just want to put out there, I actually have a, a prediction that might be a little bit spicy for the Rays. I think they're 110 or 162 last season. I wouldn't be surprised if they maxed out at 90-95 wins because they don't have Tyler Glass now for, I think, the entire season after Tommy John surgery. They do have a full year of Wander Franco. However, I mean, that's that's a gamble. He's a top prospect, and who knows what that's going to be. But I wouldn't be surprised if the New York Yankees are that team that is just really competing for first or at least second the entire season. And here's the thing. So last season, we obviously know the Blue Jays were one game out of a playoff spot. And I mentioned to you guys before we started, the top four teams, well, really the the, sec- the second, third, and fourth teams in the AL East were separated by a game. I wouldn't be surprised if that's pretty similar all season long. And I mean, you throw in the Rays there at 95 wins and it could be a very unique season. And But I think overall the Yankees are probably that team that's going to take the next step. And I'm not saying the Ray- the Red Sox won't do that either. I think with that infield, it's definitely going to be an interesting one, especially if Chris Sale can turn things around but I'm predicting that the Yankees are probably that team that does it I mean as you mentioned Isaiah Kiner-Fulifer Josh Donaldson they still have Josh or uh, Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo it could be a very interesting season for both of them and if you remember 2015 it was kind of a neck and neck com- uh, uh, c- competition between those two teams and it it definitely could be very interesting and we know that the playoffs are expanded a little bit so it's not necessarily you win your division or you're kind of screwed and try to play through one game it it could be a very unique situation for a lot of these teams and the one thing that I will point out is last year if the playoffs were the same as they were this year the entire AL East or 80% of the AL East would have made the playoffs but in terms of this season I I don't want to spoil the Blue Jays predictions but I will say it's fair to expect second if not first just depends on how well the other teams do but I'm thinking the Yankees with that really with just they're pretty stacked. I mean, pretty, pretty much everywhere. They did get rid of Gary Sanchez. Thank God. Well, actually that, that kind of benefits them more than it benefits the Blue Jays. But uh, I think they are a very legitimate shot at being stacked. And, and, you know, obviously their rotation is headlined by Garrett Cole. They have John Carlos Stanton in the outfield, Joey Gallo also there. Their infield's not bad by any means as well. So could definitely be a very interesting competition, but I'm, uh, I'm predicting that it's it is the Yankees at I would say maybe 90 I have it written down 92 which is pretty much exactly what they were at last season but I would say maybe 92 to 95 is fair then the Red Sox probably similar to that and then the Rays I think will probably trickle down a little bit but still be within that couple game mark of of these other two teams but It'll be a very interesting AL East from start to finish and I honestly cannot wait to see the Blue Jays come out on top and then we can finally brag about it at the parade in November but in terms of who's going <laughs> to who's going uh, to compete with them who's really going to be 
on their tail the entire season or neck and neck with them all season, I think it has to be the Yankees given their acquisitions on top of an already very good team. It to me proves that they're in for a very good season. Yeah. Um, I think a little bit of it, I'm, I'm pretty much on board with you. I think I obviously agree with who's going to potentially win the AL East. I think Mark, from what you said, I think I'm, I made the same mistake last year. I know for sure I did for a fact, and I'm not going to do it ever again. The Rays are never spoken about, and they somehow managed to outdo everything. Uh, I think they're going to be second place, and I do agree with you, Jacob. I think they're going to be very close to the Jays. I know they're projected through a lot of these, you know, stand like projected standings. I think they're always a lot of them. They're like fourth or third. I think again, yeah, the pitching graphs, they have right now. Yeah. Fangraphs has them at fourth in the AL East with 86 wins. Yeah, so there you go. And they always seem to get pitchers out of nowhere that you've never heard of before, and they always seem up to just dominate no matter who they play, and I guess in our case, specifically the Blue Jays, especially at Tropicana Field. So I think they're going to be around there. I don't know, though, and I guess this goes for everyone, because I, you know, especially for the Rays, because I think they're going to be a good competition for the Jays. I don't know how close any of these teams are going to be to 100. They're obviously going to be close to 100 wins, but I don't know if any of them are going to get 100 wins they definitely didn't last year or the Rays did at least they got they were 162 but the other teams uh pretty much I think the next best record were the Yankees and Red Sox who both finished 92 and 70 so I just I feel like there's going to be around 94 95 wins potentially to win the division maybe a little bit more again I just for some reason I it's always hard for me to predict that in the AL East so Whatever the number truly is, I think it's going to be close to the Jays. And you guys, and Jacob, you were talking about the Yankees and you were talking about the Red Sox. I'm pretty torn on this as well because I know that, you know, in a lot of ways, they're kind of spoken about on a similar playing field. I guess, in my opinion, I think, you know, coming off the Yankees' offseason, first of all, I think the, their offseason definitely, um, I, I don't know if I want to call it a failure, but it definitely wasn't up to their standards because, you know, these guys were talking about getting Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, and they turned out to turn it into Josh Donaldson, you know, in 2022, and they turned out to get Isaiah Kinder Falefa. Again, good options for sure. They're both good players. Josh Donaldson can still play if he's healthy. It's just they're not Carlos Correa and they're not Freddie Freeman. So I do think there's a lot of holes, too, still on their team. I mean, obviously, Garrett Cole, you can't pretty much you know, argue that he's pretty much, you know, their ace and he's one of the best pitchers in the game still. But other than that, there's still a lot of question marks in that rotation for me. I mean, Luis Severino is a guy that's never been healthy pretty much for the past couple of years. And I think he was actually dealing with soreness recently. So who knows what that's going to line up for right now. Fangraphs has Jordan Montgomery as their second starter. And of course, then after that, you got Nestor Cortez at four because Severino's third. And then you got Jamison Tyone at five. So I'm not entirely sold on them um and then when I look at the Red Sox I actually think that the Red Sox will be better uh than the Yankees but I don't think it's going to be by much just because you know again there's a lot of similarities to that you know I think the Red Sox are another team here that didn't really have the most ideal offseason because you know we were talking about guys maybe they were going to bring bring back guys like Kyle Schwarber they seem to be interested in, in a lot of names I guess they kind of threw their hats into the Freddie Freeman race late but they never ended up getting them but of course recently they get Trevor Story so their infield is definitely stacked I mean it's definitely one of the you know if it's not the Jays it's going to be the Red Sox I think for the best infield in the AL East you know you got um Xander Bogarts Rafael Devers you got Trevor Story now and there's just a lot of guys there that um, are really good options for that team and they're really scary it's a really scary team I do think and you're it's kind of like a similar situation when you look at Trevor Story he's coming over to play second base 
uh, compared to last year when Marcus Simeon came here to play second base. So you kind of have a similar similar thing there. And of course, he's going to be playing beside uh, Xander Bogarts at shortstop. And then Bobby Dalbeck, uh, Mark, I think you mentioned him earlier. He's going to be at first base. So the rotation, you know, it's not, I guess... The you know again it's similar to the Yankees in a lot of ways because you have that number one or they don't even really have that number one right now because uh, Chris Sale is actually hurt again and he's going to be starting the year on the injured list so other than that you know you have Nathan Eovaldi who turned out to be a really good option for the Red Sox later on in the year you have Nick Pavetta and then you got Michael Waka and I think one of the new or he was definitely a new addition another new addition was Rich Hill for that fifth spot so you know a lot of decent names in that rotation but you know. I do think the Red Sox have the edge a little bit here. So I'll say that the Red Sox are third and the Yankees are fourth. But again, it's going to be within like one or two games. I think it's going to be very similar. And it's going to be neck and neck with them and definitely a wild card contender. You were talking about the expanded playoffs. You were talking about how the AL East usually dominate or last year they did dominate um, in terms of records because all those teams technically should have been playoff teams besides the Orioles. And we all know the Orioles. I mean, the Orioles are the laughing stock right now of the American League East and pretty much the laughing stock of the, I guess, or one of the laughing stocks in baseball besides a few other teams. So we expect them to be kind of close to what they were last year. You know, you, you figure at some point they're going to slowly get better. I mean, they have a really good prospect in Adley Rutschman. He's a catcher, so I think he's actually one of their number one ranked prospects. But, you know, it's obviously not going to be enough to turn things around and be a competitive team for the foreseeable future. So that's obviously the number five option. So, you know, Camden Yards, I guess that's another takeaway I told you guys before we started recording. Their dimensions changed, so I'm just trying to find anything I can to talk about the Orioles. So I'll give them a little bit of an honorable mention there. High chance they lose up to 100 games again. I don't think it'd be surprising, but at some point they got to slowly steer in the right direction. We just haven't seen that yet. So maybe this is the year, and maybe it's not. Yeah, it is slim pickings for the Orioles, and maybe they're turning a corner. Maybe. You get Hadley Rushman in the majors. But yeah, I mean, and, and when you talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox, I think it's so hard to draw a line between those two teams. They are constructed so similarly. And I just think it's it's like impossible to decide who's going to end up with a better record than the other one. I think like they, they both have killer offenses. Like you look at the Red Sox infield, I mentioned it. Crazy. Probably one of the best infields in baseball. I think the Blue Jays infield is better, but Red Sox infield is top tier. And then you look at the Yankees outfield. Yankees have one of the best outfields in baseball. They have Joey Gallo and Aaron Judge. <laughs> like those are two of the best hitters in baseball, along with Giancarlo Stanton in the DH spot. And then we've talked about Josh Donaldson, Isaac, Isaiah Kenner-Falefa, those kind of guys. So, and, and Anthony Rizzo. Um, so they have the pieces offensively, both these teams. I think what it's going to get come down to is a rotation for both of them. And right now I'm leaning towards the Yankees rotation just because of Garrett Cole. And, and I think when you have a bonafide ace like that, someone who's going to be one of, if not the best starters in baseball and someone who has been healthy for, you know, the better part of a decade now, I think when you look at that, you can count on him guaranteed to do what he does minus spider tack um, year in and year out. I think Chris Sale we have not seen that kind of health and that kind of reliability from him. So that's why I'll lean towards the Yankees above the Red Sox. And when it comes to the Rays, yeah, I don't want to count them out. I don't want to make that mistake. So I won't. I'll say the AL East is going to be Blue Jays 1, Rays 2, Yankees 3, Red Sox 4, Orioles 5. We'll see if that happens. I just see that as the way it shakes out. So 
Um, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be the most exciting division in baseball. We saw there was a quote a couple weeks ago when the Blue Jays traded for Matt Chapman. There was a player from the Yankees who said, I, I can't remember the exact wording, but basically it's going to be a war zone. It's going to be an all-out brawl to the end. And it's going to be insane to watch. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So cannot wait for that to happen. Can't wait for opening day eight days away. But um, before we get to that, we do have some less than ideal news to talk about. And we don't want to speculate on any of this because it is a sensitive topic. But unfortunately, this past week, Pete Walker was arrested for speeding under the influence in Florida. Um, He was arrested for going 82 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone. The equivalent of that in kilometers an hour is essentially 130 in a 70 zone. So way more than the legal limit. And um, according to a report from a local news channel, WFLA, he uh, failed a field sobriety test and said he drank four beers at a bar slash eating facility before driving. So the Blue Jays response to this as of now has been essentially nothing. They've said we are investigating this. They've said we are looking at this and they're not saying anything more. Pete Walker has yet to be suspended, yet to take a leave of absence. Um, He's still coaching the team. And as of right now, it seems like that is the path they are taking. So we don't want to speculate about what's going to happen with Pete Walker or what's going to happen with the Blue Jays. I know that's kind of what we do on this podcast. We speculate, we provide analysis, but this is a sensitive topic, so we're not going to do it on this topic. Um, The one thing I do want to say is I've seen a lot of people downplaying this. I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, Blue Jays should just sweep it under the rug. We don't know, you know, how much he had to eat that night or how long it had been since he had those four beers. And I, I, the only thing is like, it's 130 miles in a 70 or 130 kilometers in a 70 zone, whether you are drunk or not, whether you've had an ounce of liquor or not, that is not an appropriate speed to be going. And Pete Walker took his own life and other people's lives into his own hands when he made that decision. So, um, I do take issue with people downplaying this. Um, and I think it should be taken seriously by the blue Jays and by fans, and by everyone involved. So, again, we don't want to speculate on what's going to happen, but that's all we wanted to say on that. So, um, just to end the podcast on a little bit of a lighter note, um, I want to bring up the Home Run Derby X, which was announced yesterday by Major League Baseball. And I think anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I am fully in love with the Home Run Derby. I think it is the best day of the year, hands down, baseball or otherwise. It's the most entertaining two hours to watch in the year. Um, I'm a little skeptical about this idea. Um, I think it can, it has the potential to be really good, but I'm a little worried it's going to turn into kind of just a cringy, I don't know, TV special vibe of people we don't care about doing things we don't care about that is not entertaining at all. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm certainly going to watch it, but I'm a little nervous about how it's going to turn out. And I think it is a little bit gimmicky and that's what makes me worried. So I'm excited. I think it's good for baseball. I'm glad they're trying new things, but I'm a little concerned about how it'll turn out. If I had to choose an actual home run derby, like reality TV show style thing for major league baseball to do, I would say wait until the off season and then take 
active major league players, put them on real major league fields and tour them around the world and get them to do a home run derby tour that way instead of this, you know, like four legacy players. And then there's like some, like, I think they're called like all-stars that are players that are currently playing. I think they said there'd be a lot of um, softball players involved in the mix as well as some social media influencers and content creators. I don't know. It's, I'm skeptical. I'm excited to watch it, but I'm skeptical. Um, before we wrap up, why don't we get a couple of thoughts from you guys on this? All I can say is I really hope that there are no home runs followed by TikTok dances during this home run derby. But uh, <laughs> I think at the end of the day, this is MLB trying to appeal to more than just, I think, the diehard fans, maybe the casuals, the older people that are not necessarily extremely into the newer style of baseball, but it's like, I'll watch it. I'll be completely honest. I like the home run derby, but it's never been something that I feel like extremely obligated to watch. Like I do watch it and I have fun, but it's, I've never had like a huge drive to watch it. So, I mean, like I'll watch this absolutely, but it's not something that I'll be like super into but honestly that's just me and i know a lot of people do love the home run derby and it is fun like let's be real here it is it is cool to see especially when your favorite player or really anybody from your team is competing so it'll it'll be interesting i do like that they're incorporating other cities not just major league stadiums not just u.s and canada they're going to i think it is london and or is it mexico and or i think it was mexico city and and seoul yeah mm, yeah so it'll be it'll be definitely be really cool it's not just the typical areas that we've seen so I think it's it's not a bad idea. I I wouldn't necessarily get my hopes w- extremely high just because it is more of a exhibition type thing. But you know what? If it if it helps bring more people to the game of baseball, I think it's going to be a win for the league. Yeah, I mean, I think my interest because Mark, you were saying how they have you know, a couple influencers come and participate. My interest would probably skyrocket if Chris Rock was one of the guys that would participate. Um, I think that would be pretty cool, but um, I don't think that's going to be happening. And, you know, like, I don't, I like the Derby. I'm kind of with Jacob more on this one. I'm not as in love with it as you are, Mark, but it's definitely a really cool idea and it's a really cool field feature. And I don't think, I don't think we've actually mentioned that the Derby now is going to be determining in the All-Star game, at least, I think starting this year and years on that in extra innings, it's actually going to be decided by a home run derby. So I don't know if we've ever mentioned that, but I think that's a really cool idea too. You know, I just credit MLB marketing for kind of revealing it yesterday and not really explaining what it really was because I was watching the video completely clueless until there was an actual like announcement and an article about it. So yeah, you got three dates. You got July 9th in London, September 17th in Seoul, and then you got October 15th in Mexico. So, I mean, there's going to be some pretty cool, I guess, names there. Um, I'll give it a shot. I don't really have a lot of expectations for it. I think it's cool that they're, you know, at least trying to explain globally. I know they're going to be playing global actual, like regular season games beginning. uh, I think it's 2023 when they really start playing elsewhere around the world. So I, I don't mind that. I think this is something that MLB is behind on compared to other sports. You see, you know, pretty much the juggernaut, I think of North American sports, the NFL, they do this every year. They do international games everywhere. They grow their brand. And of course the other sports as well, they do it in a really good way. But MLB has always been that sport that is lacked in that kind of category. So, you know, the goal is to obviously grow the game of baseball, get it popular to really what it truly was at one point in history and get it back to that because I think that's really cool and expand it throughout the entire globe. I know this home run derby in particular won't do that, but I like the kind of idea that they're putting forward. I like the kind of just the way it lines up for it because it's just one of a, out of 
many more things to come, hopefully, for them to kind of grow the game and expand the game uh, in the future. So that's why I'm kind of on board with it. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, July 9th will be the first one. So again, the expectations aren't really high. And to be fair, I don't really know what to expect, if that makes sense, because you you just, like you were saying, Mark, like there's a lot of, there's a pretty good chance this could be kind of like a cringeworthy event. But there's also a really good chance that this thing could turn out to be really popular and really entertaining. So I'll give it a chance for that. Pretty excited for that. And before I hand it over to you to close things off, I just want to say something that we were talking about early on in the podcast. We were talking about how there hasn't been any like injuries in spring training and whatnot. I just want you guys to know that we have pretty much entered a very dangerous zone here because if something happens now within the next two days, we may be the jinxes of this. So I'm really hoping because all three of us have said it, everything stays on course for the final week because people who listen, they know who they're going to blame now if something happens. So that's why (laughs) I'm a little worried that we put ourselves in this position, but hopefully we can get out of it without any sort of, you know, negative outcome, if that makes sense. For a minute, I thought you were going to say that there was an injury that was just announced on Twitter. Oh, God. Sorry for that. And yeah. I was terrified for a second. But, yeah, um, we're going to be holding our breaths these next two, three, four days, praying that nothing happens and praying that we can't be held to account for anything. But, um, yeah, eight days till opening day. We are waiting for it eagerly. Um, we'll wrap it up there. As always, you can support our podcast on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash section138pod. You can also follow us on social media. We are on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Section138Pod. And then some people get mad at me for not saying this because they don't know this, but we do have a YouTube account. So you can watch our videos on YouTube. It's just Section138Podcast, I think. Um, You can find it there. All the video content that we're doing is on the YouTube as well as every single podcatcher that you might find. If you're watching this on the YouTube and don't know that we're also a podcast, You can listen to the podcast anywhere you find it. So we'll wrap it up there. Looking forward to opening day. We'll be back in a couple days with our prediction episode. And until then, we'll catch you next time.